say, come on now, get washed in the water. But I'd rather stand out here in the rain. Because once you know love, it only Welcome, everybody, harder. and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Rerooted Podcast. I'm Mandy Bates, your host, and it's been a long time. I know that the key to a successful podcast is consistency. Unfortunately, I tend to more emulate the title of this podcast as my life seems to get rerouted pretty regularly. Lately, it's been um, good and bad in the sense that my massage practice could not be doing any better. I'm so grateful and thankful for my clients and the fact that I get to do the work that I love almost every day of the week. Uh, But on the flip side, I am going to be having some surgery this summer, and it means that I won't be able to do massage for about six to eight weeks. So there's been a lot of things that have needed to happen, a lot of time spent trying to make sure everybody's taken care of before I can't practice for a little while. And I've wanted to do an episode. There's so many things that I could come on here and talk about. As you know, the world is basically in a tailspin right now whether you're talking about climate change or social justice or the inflation, debt ceilings, all of those things. And yes, I have an opinion on all of them, but none of them really seem to matter to me anymore. Um, And lately, I've taken to become a little more public with my stand on the hill that I have mentioned that I will die on. Um, so today's show is going to talk about that. Those of you who have listened to past episodes know what I'm referring to, but for those who don't, it's going to be a little bit of a ride. Um, but I feel like it is the best way for me to really illustrate where I am with everything right now. So I want to start with a little story. Um, 42 years ago, I was 13 years old. And she was born. I didn't know, but she was born. 18 years later, without knowing who she was for sure, I watched her graduate from college. A year after that, she became a permanently woven piece of my heart. It was a sister I didn't know I had, and our relationship grew fast and furious and it was something that was desperately needed in my life at the time. She became a wonderful aunt to my daughter. We were family. It was perfect. And then seven years after that, we decided to pack up and move to Vermont. The hardest thing was leaving her because it meant a two-hour drive to get to see her. But I knew that we would make it happen because we were too connected. She was too much a part of me, and there was no way that any amount of time would go by before a concert wouldn't happen, a quick run on the trail wouldn't happen. It was just not a problem other than the distance. A year later, settled in Vermont, going down for trips on the regular, I was diagnosed with cancer. And she was one of my biggest cheerleaders. 
she kept me positive. We laughed. She made sure that I didn't ever want for memes of Rob Thomas or anything like that, if there was new music for us to share. And she even was integral in getting me as healthy as possible for my impending surgery and running a half marathon before that was to take place. And then that brings us to three years ago. I don't know what actually happened and I'm being honest here. I have speculation. It might've been because I didn't support Black Lives Matter. It might've been that I started being more vocal in support for Donald Trump, which I had never been before. I need to qualify that. Prior to May of 2020, I really vehemently hated that man. Um, was it for my stand on COVID, my feeling about the mask? I didn't know because she wouldn't tell me. She just stopped talking to me. I was basically suicidal for about six months in 2020. And our last text was me pretty much telling her that, her telling me that maybe going outside with a camera would do me good. And that was the last text she ever sent me, May 22nd, 2020. Not that I'm holding on to anything, but over the last three years from that moment, a lot has happened in the world, in my own life. Um, but the one thing that has stayed constant and if only gotten stronger is my commitment to the hill that I will die on, which is the hill of child trafficking. I started talking about it early in COVID because all of a sudden with the world gone cyber, there was access to more information. I learned about organizations that were rescuing children around the world. I learned about horrific hashtags and things on social media that you could find the most vile and disgusting uh, ugh, just images videos anything um, so much so that in trying to do what I thought was right there were a bunch of people trying to ban an account on Twitter and I was not one to just ban someone without having factual evidence because that's just who I am. I went to the person's site and without getting into too much gory detail, it was a grown man and a toddler. And we'll just leave it at that, that I went to vomit within the five seconds that that popped up on my screen. So I'm not just blowing smoke. It may have only been five seconds, but it was five seconds of hell. And going back to the fact that we were in COVID times and everybody would scream that one death was too many. You needed to take care of the vulnerable and the weak and you needed to wear a mask even though you didn't want to because of other issues you were dealing with. That that's nothing compared to this. And you're not going to get outraged. You're not going to get outraged by a toddler and a grown man in a sexual act. I don't even know what to say to that, but it's been three years of slowly trying to 
not overwhelm people with the horrors that I've read about, that I've seen. It's, you know, you can't, you can't just, as my husband likes to say, water a seedling with a fire hose or however it goes. But, you know, you just want to share all this information, but you know how painful it was when you saw it. So you don't want to do that to someone else. So you have to wait for an opportunity. And trust me when I tell you, when I get an opportunity to talk about this, I do not shut up. I am so blessed with a wonderful coworker who lets me speak my mind, whether she agrees with me or not, just because she knows I need to get this out. Because this, how this isn't enough to drive everyone to the brink of wanting to lynch people for a common good to protect the children. I'm sorry. I don't understand it. And I've been told that I overreact. I've been told I don't want to look at it. I can't look at it. It's horrible. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. It is so horrible and it is so real and it is so prevalent everywhere and lately it seems like the envelope is getting pushed the envelope is getting pushed of what is acceptable when it comes to children and I will give you some examples what I mean by that we now are supposed to use the phrase minor attracted persons not pedophiles Minor attracted persons. No, I'm sorry, not going to happen. And then there's the subject of drag queens. And I'm not going to talk about this long, but this is one of the reasons I haven't done an episode because I've been afraid. I've been afraid to say this out loud because I could lose my business. I could have people turn and hate me just like my sister who for reasons that I don't know in her brain, but I can only speculate about. They're going to hate me because I'm saying this because they don't understand that I am just talking about the children. I am not talking about drag queens. I am not talking about gay people. I am not talking about pride. I am talking about children should not be exposed to sexual anything, let alone infants and toddlers and kids in a library being exposed to these people who perform and if you talk to many drag queens, they will tell you it is a sexual thing. It's meant for nightclubs. It's meant for adults. This normalizing of this behavior, I am sorry. This is one of my lines. I have no problem with drag queens. I have no problem with gay people. I have no problem with any of it. I just have a problem around the children. Period. End of story. I went to a drag show on my honeymoon. I have a family member who's into drag. I think that those people are amazingly talented, ridiculously talented in some cases, but I still don't believe they belong around children. And if that makes me evil, and if that makes me mean that I need to lose my business or people will stop talking to me, I have to own that. I have to stand up and say, I'm sorry, this is my line. And then people will say things to me like, you know, oh, it's not as bad as you say, you know, it doesn't really affect me directly. I would never do that. Nobody I know would ever do that. First of all, you're wrong. <laughs> you all know someone, whether you know it or not, you know it. But in order to drive home my point, I wanted to make sure I had some factual things to back this up. So I have, um, five links that you'll find in the description of this podcast episode because 
people always say, oh, you don't have evidence. You don't have this. You don't have that. Well, recently there was what was called the Monsters of May in Polk County, Florida. And these people were arrested on over 1,200 counts of child pornography and engaging in the sale and moving of child pornography. One, a Disney employee. Just putting that out there. The next article is a link to Hollywood and the child actor industry and how these children are actually treated. And there is definitely some um, information about people speaking out about what happened to child actors, not just Corey Feldman, but Elijah Wood, um, Natalie Portman is commented on in this article. So, you know, and then roll that into Harvey Weinstein. We don't even need to go that far, but everybody should know about that lech. Um, the, the next article is about Jeffrey Epstein, how Deutsche Bank in May paid $75 million to Jeffrey Epstein's victims. Now, that's a lot of money, to you and I probably anyway. Some people, it's probably nothing. But that is a lot of money to pay people who had something done to them by who? Jeffrey Epstein didn't do it. Who were his clients? Why, all these years later, after he was suicided in jail we still don't know anybody he trafficked children to trafficked young women to nobody cares you really don't care and people will say no I don't care I just care about my family and my neighborhood and my you know every day I have to go to work and I got to take care of my house and all of that and that is understandable but this is bigger than all of us the children of this world should be bigger than that to all of us especially knowing what they are at the hands of this is pure evil pure evil and one of the last links that i'm going to include is to an organization that helped me stay sane during the pandemic when you couldn't go out and be around people and and you you were really isolated i was at, i was in such a dark place because of this and then i found Operation Underground Railroad with Tim Ballard and there was this movie that was supposed to come out called Sound of Freedom and it was the story of his first rescue mission and I had seen the trailer and I could not find enough interviews I listened to him on Glenn Beck I listened to him on so many different shows telling the story one of the things that stood out the most is people would ask how could you because he had to go in and pose as someone who was looking to do horrible things to children. And they asked him, how can you do that? How can you do that? And he said that the only way to fight this is with light, you know? And, and so he has to be willing to like plow through all this darkness to get to those children to save them. Now, I followed that movie story from 2020 to now. And I would ask, I would tweet all the time. I'm like, at Tim Ballard, at, you know, whatever. Do you know anything about this movie? I've been waiting for it to come out and there's never anything. Um, you know, I can't find anything about it. And I was getting really 
sad. And I was also buying into, it was adding to the conspiracy theory that somebody doesn't want this out there. Somebody doesn't want people seeing this movie. Somebody doesn't want people talking about this topic. Well, here we are three years later and this company called Angel Studios, who I don't know a whole lot about, but from what I've seen and what I've read, they seem to be um, taking indie films that can't go anywhere else that are important and that need to be seen. And it was interesting that once they agreed to release it, they did a crowdfunding for support for advertising and, and things like that. And they raised over $5 million dollars from people like you and me. I'm sure some corporations donated as well, but this was a crowdfunding and they raised over $5 million. What does that tell you? That tells you that people know that this needs to be seen, that people, people are good. The people of this world are mostly good. And if they really knew, if they really took a minute to understand that you can't ignore it, it's not going to go away, then maybe we could start to do something in the other direction. Because I can't, I, I, I can't not talk about it. It's part of my everyday. I pray about it in the morning. I pray about it at night. I think about it during the day. Whenever I see children, my heart, I just, there's so much joy in my heart when I see a child who is loved and cared for because I know the horrors of what I've seen and it just means that there's one less if I see a child that is is being loved and cared for. So it's it's important to me to walk the talk and this movie is coming out on July 4th. I'm I've already got my tickets. I can't say that I'm excited to see it because this topic is so sensitive and I'm imagining I'm going to cry the entire time, but it needs to be seen and it needs to be supported. And I just need to like put that out there. Like how can there be all of this evidence of things that are actually happening to children? Heinous, un imaginable, incomprehensible things are happening to children. And yet you either can't look at it or won't look at it. I don't know, or you don't know that it's there to look at. So those are the three choices. You either can't look at it, you won't look at it, or you don't even know. So that's how we get to now. This last week, I don't know, something lit a fire under me and I just started sharing stuff on Instagram and Facebook, someplace I said I would never get political again. But this isn't political to me. This is That's the beauty of this. This has nothing to do with politics. I don't care who you are. If you're willing to fight this, then you're on my team because they're all, there's guilty people everywhere. So I'm not even going to go down that road with anybody who wants to argue that point. It doesn't matter. This is not political. This is children. Children. I want you to think about that. And if you have children of your own, I really want you to think about this. What if it were your child? Wouldn't you want everyone in the world trying to help you find them? Yes, you would. It wouldn't matter who they were, where they came from. If you're going to help me find my child and save my child, 
I want you on my team. That's, that is just the way it is. And so with posting that stuff, that's what kind of got me thinking about this and wanting to put an episode out because I just can't be silent anymore. I, I just can't. And I really want to drive the point home by telling you why I shared that story about my sister in the beginning, who we had this amazing roller coaster of finding each other and loving each other and being there for each other. And then something happened that I still, like I said, have no idea. And it hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. For It still does. Maybe that's what drove this podcast to come out tonight. I don't know. But it was bad. I wanted to die. I thought about how to kill myself pretty much every day. Pretty much every day. There was so much trauma going on. And that was the, like, that was it. That was the last, like, oh my God. That coupled with what I was already dealing with, to lose who I thought was my best friend over what I didn't know, there's there's no words. And that's my point. As horrible as that was and is and will be for the rest of my life, I would do it again if it meant saving children. I would absolutely go through that pain again if it meant waking people up and saving children. And it was horrible and I don't want to go through it again. So I'm hoping that even one person who hears this takes a minute to go to the OUR website and just read, just read. You don't even have to donate. You don't have to do anything. Just read and educate yourself and understand that this is everywhere. This is not in some third world country only. This is right down the block. This is in your town. It may be in your family. You don't even know, but it's everywhere. It is insidious. It is a disease and it needs to be eradicated. There is no other answer. There's no, oh, well, it's okay as long as they don't act on their feelings bullshit. No, there is no, no. It kind of, you know, was a, an awakening for me when I started reading the Bible recently. You know, over the last year, I've really had a relationship with God that's grown. And I don't have a religion that I belong to, but I'm reading and I'm learning. And it was really, really cool because, you know, when I learned about the whole, you know, if you should harm one of my children and have a, it would be better for you to have an, a millstone put around your neck and to be thrown into the middle of the ocean than to harm one of my children. So that started it. And then just recently, it was really cool. I was reading Proverbs because I, I don't always understand the stories in the Bible. So I was just looking for something to read that was short and that I could easily follow. And so I just flipped open the book and started reading. And I got to Proverbs 16, 9. And made me stop because it said a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. And I was like, wow, that sounds familiar. And then I realized it was the tagline to my podcast. Life doesn't always take you where you think you're supposed to go, but you always end up where you're supposed to be. So I'm at a point now where I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I just trust that I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to be. 
What that looks like is anybody's guess. So I want to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your willingness to listen with an open mind. And I also want to say, I hope that you have something in your life that you feel this passionately about. I wish it was this because this, this is my line. This is mine. This is my number one. And until something substantial happens, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going away. And I'm going to always trust that life may not always take me where I think I'm supposed to go, but I'll always end up where I'm supposed to be. Now